Chris. And I'm Jake. And today we have a very special episode for you guys. We have Susan Perky Perkheiser in on the podcast today. She is a stunt driver. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited about she's this. She's been in such films like Born Ultimatum, Star Trek, Italian Job, Superman 2. You know, I mean, like, Spider-Man 2. Yes, I don't know if Spider she was Man in 2. Superman 2. It's possible. Maybe. It's possible. Yeah, sorry. Spider-Man 2. Lots of really good, great films. She actually was the one that drove the the little Mini Coopers down the stairs. Is, is the one that kind of sticks yeah, in, in the my Italian mind job. a little bit. So um, I thought about going through and watching all of her movies and trying to be like, there she is right there. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. But I didn't have eight hours <laughs> yesterday to sit there and try and find her in these films. So we'll have to ask her about um, where she is in these films, what she's been doing, what she's up to. Um, she's a really badass chick, you know, drive it. She does drifting. So I really look forward to her calling in later on the episode. Hope you guys stick around for that. Um, before we get into kind of uh, how many times Jake's battery has died <laughs> in the last week, um, why don't we hear from one of our sponsors? Yeah, we're talking about Further Performance. They're a great sponsor of ours. They keep the show going here. They're a local Twin Cities-based automotive specialist, and what sets them apart is they really truly love European cars. They're actual enthusiasts, so you know when you take your car to them, it's just not some random grease monkey working on it, someone who actually cares about it. You know, whether you uh, go in there for some maintenance, an oil change, something to that effect, or you have like a big project car that you want to have restoration done, you can go to them for that as well. Uh, You can find them online at fptuned.com. That's F-P-T-U-N-E-D.com. Check those guys out, and when you do, let them know you heard about us from us. Great. So, and another thing I wanted to mention is we are recording this on, what day is today? Wednesday. Yes. And it gets released on Monday. Correct. If you would like to hear this podcast right away when we publish it today, rather than waiting until Monday, you can go to patreon.com slash overcrest. And if you become a Patreon, $5 or more a month, you get the podcast episodes right away. And we'll send you a t-shirt. Yep. You do 10 bucks, we'll send you one of my prints. So it's uh, of your choice, whatever you want. I'll, I'll send you something, sign it, whatever you want to do. And uh, we'll get that out to you. So patreon.com slash overcrest. And you can be ahead of everyone else and be the coolest kid in school. And we do really appreciate it. All yeah, kidding aside, we do have a we do have a, quite a few Patreon members now that uh, that have donated and, and worked towards helping us do this podcast because we still are just basically losing <laughs> losing money. Yeah, you know. We are. So it's uh, it's it's nice to have that support if you guys want to do that. Okay, so um, what's going on with your car? You sent me some pictures <laughs> last night. Yeah, uh, it was it was late. I was I was eating sloppy Joe, and I got I got a Facetime message from Jake, and I I just I see underneath his hood he's got the the cover that covers so the under airbox. the box. So this is on a 1970 Porsche 911 T, old vintage Porsche. For those not know, um, yeah, engine in the back. So it's the front trunk, also known as the frunk. Yeah, I hate that term. Really? No. Yeah, it's just I, I don't know. Like it. I just call it the trunk. Because the there's no well, it's not like you're going to mistake it there's for a something. Rear trunk. <laughs> there's not a rear trunk. I know. There's an engine compartment. I tried to put my suitcase in the engine compartment. Yeah, it's it's called a trunk. It doesn't need to be called a front frunk because you don't How have the, the different. Boot? If it was a mid-engine car and you had a rear trunk and a front trunk, right. maybe you could call it a frunk, but you don't need to. Anyways, so, yeah. You, would it be called a runk? Runk. <laughs> the, <rump. laughs> the rear rump runk. The rear of the car would be called a runk. It would have to be. Yeah. So you got. Uh, so what's going on in the trunk? Right. So. The wiring on this thing is so terrible, and just so many. How did I put it? Just the decision making of this previous. Well, you called him a hack. Hack. That was the word. And he's dead, so it's not like he's going to come back in. Well, you had to bring that up. Now I feel like a (laughs) dick. 
Jeez. Hey, don't worry about it. He's dead. He's, he doesn't care. You can say whatever no, you want about it. No, but it was kind of questionable. So um, I took off the, what do you call that, like, shroud? There's a shroud It's thing. just the cowl cover, yeah. basically. That covers some of the components. It's, like, where the blower motor is and everything else for your climate control. Yeah, the wiper is. Climate control is. is a stretch of a term for yes. what this is. But that's where the blower motor is. And so I pull that off. How's your blower motor doing? <laughs> <laughs> so it was weird. I noticed it's supposed to be all integrated in the controls where you slide it for cool air and then you keep going and that turns your fan on yeah that never worked on my car instead there was another black knob and you turn that and all of a sudden it'd go right so this like is a like vacuum. a random black knob somewhere yep where it's uh behind the steering wheel to the left of the climate control and there's one other knob there for something it's left of that one too that one's probably your odometer reset yep it's left of that okay great sweet <laughs> okay. so random black knob i was like and I don't know my 911s that well. These early cars. So you're like, so oh, like, that's oh, the that fan. must just be it. Like Until an I got fan. to reading. And I was like, that is not supposed to be there. <laughs> and then I looked under the dash and saw his wiring. So I open up that cowl and there's two blower motors, aftermarket blower motors that you use for boats. They're used <laughs> in in marine engine compartments. To vent the air. To vent the air out. Yeah. You're supposed to turn it on if you follow the rules like two minutes before starting the engine. It's a bilge To get fan. rid of any like fumes or anything. So you so don't explode. So I have these two bilge fans in line with the blower motor that I assume the blower motor since it doesn't work, that must have broke. So what they did is they took these fans and then they used hose clamps and, and really tidied it up. They On both <laughs> sides <laughs> on both sides the blower motor it's, it's these nice clamps yep. it's all put together Looked right super professional yeah, no it's, it's it well, was duct the, the taped <laughs> together <laughs> oh let's goodness. just be clear that the duct tape isn't actually attached to anything anymore from what i could see no it was just kind of sitting there and the best part though i'm on the phone with you just like ranting about how ridiculous this is and i pull it apart and i notice there's a key <laughs> in the like flapper door like your blend door motor yeah whatever you i call don't it, understand like the, so i pull that out not just a key it's the it, there's it's the ignition key. key and then so i'm showing you and i look i was like wait hold on there's another one too there's two random keys in the ventilation system and then i'm like well maybe somebody just is trying to hide keys so they can have um like yeah. access to their car but it's in the trunk that's not so that work. wouldn't you know really what work. I, I figured out where they came from it, there's little um defroster va- dash vents yeah and so he must have set his key up there and it slid into that vent but it's sl- yeah i know i that's my only theory of why they but would there's be in there. two of them so he knows what happened so he didn't, twice he didn't learn his lesson he's like ah oh, fuck my key's gone it slid behind the thing and like two weeks later he's like oh shit there's my other key so then the dude had to probably call locksmith and be like yeah i don't have any more keys can you please come out and like make a key for my car so and oh also the wiring was just like a rat's nest of bundled wires there's a lot of here's the deal there's a lot what worries me is there's a lot of bare wire there was one bare wire that i found but the rat's nest it's all hooked up directly to this battery that isn't factory either so it's not like he like hooked right. it up to the fuse box or did it correctly. So these he just blowers ran aren't wires. straight wire, no fuse. Yep, just, just wired directly to the battery. That makes sense. That makes so sense. that's really good. So well, at least you're only going to have about that. a third of the way to go to get to your battery. And pretty soon you can just wire it straight to your smuggler's box for well, your stupid I, battery. Yeah, I removed them completely, threw them away. I'm going to rebuild the actual blower motor so it actually works. Correctly. Right. Well, you probably can just, how much is buying one? I don't know. I haven't looked. It's probably like $600 or something retarded. I'm sure it's it got to be really expensive. I, I looked at some of the wires aren't even connected to it. So I'm wondering if it just like. You should have like a little square plug. Yep. And that should just pop on. Yeah. There. Mine is very different than that. Okay. It has like wires soldered to a plug thing that aren't 
soldered anymore, and it's yeah. This, it's, I, I have a feeling this car will keep you busy if you decide to keep it. <laughs> yeah, it's keeping me busy thus far. Right. Um, also, have other projects in the wings, like you said. I got one of those really cool battery kit relocation yeah, kits in the about smuggler's box. Now, I wanted to tell people why I kind of freaked out last week a yeah, little bit. Why? It's because over the course of years, <laughs> many of my friends and uh, like club members for Euroworks, everything else, have bought these batteries. And I swear to God, I've saved like four or five stranded people that have had these batteries and something was, and it was with their old car, like a custom VR six swap or yeah. a Mark one and something goes wrong and it won't start. And you don't get any time to try and be like, Oh, let's diagnose this. Let's figure out. Cause you only get a couple tries. Oh. So the car has to be like tip top to I be gotcha. able to use these batteries. And I, I think I kind of took out some of my like <laughs> late <frustration>. rage. <laughs> like even the other day, like at the track, I had a, a friend of mine, he, his battery was dead, so he had to take my 911 and go to the car parts store to buy jumper cables so we could jump his, his 996 wow. at, the, at the track. So it's just like these batteries don't make any sense they, for, for almost any, any purpose. It's just it, they just don't. You know what? One of our fans who was like on my side about it and was kind of ranting. What was that poll? I think it was like 70, 30. I was yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, he sent me then an Amazon link for here, just in case it does go dead. You don't have to tell Chris. Here's a, one of those portable charging like jumper things. Oh, well, then you're just. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, so let me let me up this with along with my small battery that would add up to the same weight as the big battery and take up more space. No, my my theory is, OK, if it does actually go dead in the middle of nowhere just bump start it it's a light car what if yeah that's not always convenient though i, know. I mean there's up i'm there's not situations. planning on it going so dead. this is how i'm holding up my hands this is how big the factory battery is okay it's 12 by like eight sure it's really small it's really like i just highly even if you want to move I it can't in a, use my shiny aluminum bits you can get uh, <laughs> i don't i don't i just i went through all this last oh, week i, I don't want to, to mention so after I posted something on Instagram, like, oh, this is how a uh, trunk should look. It had all the Renline stuff just to kind of, you know, piss Chris off. And I, I tagged Renline in it. They reposted it <laughs> on their feed, which I think is great. Oh, boy. All right. Well, you can. It's uh, honestly, it's like it's like rolling your car through the, the street scene <laughs> section of O'Reilly Auto Parts. Underglow. But, ev but everything's expensive. Yeah. The good thing, nice thing about all that stuff, it is a really, really well made. It's high it's quality. It's super high quality. But um, you have, if I see any of that stuff <laughs> in your car before you fix all the stuff that's broken, right. I will, I I'm going to freak out at you again. <laughs> so I don't want to see any aluminum floorboards or <laughs> aluminum cowl covers or weird shift knobs or yeah. like silver gauges or any weird crap in that car. If that car runs perfect and it's fast and it's set up nice and the doors are aligned properly and it's painted and you do that, I'm going to be like, all right, he's bored. He has nothing left to do. <laughs> but that there's no <laughs> reason you, should be, you have plenty to do. Just judging by the, the little, they look like tiny little airplane engines that the little boat fans are talking yeah, about. Yeah. They look like little tiny little right, props. Right, they do. So you, obviously you have to get that I'll get that situated. figured out. And I haven't installed that battery kit or anything else yet because the fuel pump is an aftermarket fuel pump that's sitting in the smuggler's box that is extremely loud. You turn the ignition on and it goes... Yeah, it's like an older school type of... And so I ordered a, a, a fuel pump. I'm going to put it down in the factory location, get it out of the smuggler's box, then put that together, redo the wiring, etc. Also have turbo tie rods to put in, a uh, bump steer lowering kit thing right. to do... And other things. Maybe my car, my house is bad luck for your car. Maybe you shouldn't do any of that at my I house. I don't think I'm going to. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, I do have the tie rod tool that you'll need. 
Oh, the like pickle fork thing? It's not a pickle fork thing. The connection, the way the tie rod is connected, is, is, is it's like a it's like a a big socket, like a thirty millimeter socket that's got these reliefs cut in it. Oh, it, it's a custom tool that you don't have, so you probably should come over it because I borrowed it from a friend. Right. So we should probably do that ASAP. So you don't borrow it. So I don't borrow it person. too long. Yeah, I don't want to borrow it too long either because it's already been okay. a while. So I'll figure that out. So I'm uh, I'm almost. I think my car is going to be done tomorrow. So by the time people listen to this. They'll probably get to see my car with the flares and the new wheels. There's been a little bit of a kind of a snafu with the flares and the bumper and everything. Okay. But um, I don't really want to talk about it. I want to give the body shop a chance to make it right, right. And, uh, and do well. And I think they will. I think they're going to make it look awesome. I want to talk more about your wheels anyways. Because, right. So well, I you suppose drop- I could talk about it because so by the time this comes out, everybody will know. So I'm, I'm more than happy to. Right. Okay. So you dropped off your cookie cutters. They have widened. No. What are we talking about? Oh, you don't even know. I haven't told anybody because I kind of wanted it to be a secret. <laughs> so this is okay. This is complicated. This is like oh, complicated geez. on the level of like um, how complicated wheels be. It, it's like a mathematical equation. This situation. So because you're talking friend, offs, but go no, ahead. Go my ahead. friend Chad had uh, a set of Fuchs with black centers, brush lips, just stock. Right? They are yep. 15 sevens and eights that came on his 911 SC. Sure. So they're his stock wheels, date stamped to his car. My friend Aaron Hatz had a set of RS finish Fuchs in seven and eight, which is the mm-hmm. normally Fuchs are black. All the pedals right. are black. This, the, the pedals on them are the or the spokes, I guess I should say, are silver, but it's like an anodized matte silver, satin silver. Okay. And then the lips are the same. And then the backgrounds are black. Right. It's kind of like set, like period correct for my car, like RS finish. I got RS flares, RS rear, sort of RS rear bumper type thing going okay. on. So I'm like, I'm panicking because I don't have wheels, basically, because I don't even have time to refinish the wheels I bought. So I bought another set of Fuchs. Right. And I'm like, all right. So we're talking on Friday night kind of about my situation of not having wheels. What should I do with these ones that we refinish? And it came up that I should just buy Chad's wheels that he got from Aaron. And when he got the wheels from Aaron, he gave him his other wheels. Right. That he used to have. And then Aaron was going to have those refinished, but like down the road. Right. So it was like Chad was going to give the wheels to Aaron or Chad got the wheels from Aaron, gave his wheels to Aaron to get refinished. And then all of a sudden I need wheels. So I'm getting Chad's old wheels back that are date stamped to Chad's car. Chad or then Aaron's getting the wheels I just bought. And then I'm going to get the wheels refinished from Chad's wheels refinished in the RS finish over winter and give them to him. So he has the RS finish on his wheels. And then I have RS finish Fuchs to take on my road trip to Rensport. So you're going to have SC Fuchs is what all you needed to say was I'm going to have. Yeah, just just Fuchs. Yeah, there'll be Fuchs, but they're they're because here's the deal is it takes takes like three to six months or even longer on the turnaround time. Right. To get these done. It's like a it's like an anodized finish. It's kind of not. Right. But you're not going to have the anodized ones, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're going to have the anodized ones. Right. Aaron had that Chad had from Aaron that I'm getting. Exactly. It's like math. So kudos to any of our <laughs> listeners that were able to figure out what the hell it's I just like, said. I need a diagram. So it's it's yeah, exactly, a diagram with like a yeah. So yep. basically it's it's like these wheels have been like kind of like a woo, it's like a little circle of of wheel goodness that's been going on. So uh-huh. I'll have these wheels. I've had them on my car before, sort of. I took because my car was slab side, so I took right. both of his front wheels, wheel, front wheels, and put them on my car. And this is when I had the the fifteen fifty two wheels, and I was like. Those look way better. F. You know, I just was like, <laughs> oh, no. What have I done? These look really good. Okay. Um, so we'll see. Aren't you also widening cookies? I or no. I have eight of them, but now I can't. Yes, I have eight cookie cutters. 
I can't do it because Chad is going to need wheels to roll his car around on while I get his other wheels refinished. So you're giving him the cookies. Right. Okay. For now. Yeah. Because he's going to, I bought a new set of tires for his wheels uh-huh. so he could still have wheels. I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's too complicated. You can have my uh, mini lights or whatever they are on my car when yeah. mine get here. Yeah, I don't think he's going to want to do that. No, I, don't I, don't think I ordered tires. What did you end up with? I got a deal on the Advan AO48s, the like. In a 225 Yep. Okay. You're probably going to want to get some spacers for the front, just yeah. like some fives maybe. Or I'm going to something. need your fender roller too. Yes, I have that. All right. so I like I'm, how we have conversations that are just between us on the podcast. Yeah, that's that's fine. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, that's fine. I, just, I, I researched. I want to be. I want to be super clear that I think you should be really careful with what you do with the car. Why? Don't go. You're, you're very close to going overboard with the with wheels why? already. So just take no, it easy. No, these are a very like classic looking square shoulder. I'm talking about the wheels, right? And the tires. So you're going for like a real motorsporty tuner yeah. look, like. As, yeah. a, as the Californians would say, like an outlaw look for yep, the car. Absolutely. But you can't do like anything else. Why? Because you're going to look like Joey down the street doesn't know what he's doing. So just. I want to do the mesh grill no, on the back. I want to get rid of all the I'm not. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not going to take the bait. You, I'm not, that's not even bait. That's seriously my plan. No, why would you do that? Because <laughs> that's like 911R outlaw look. What's yeah, wrong but, with that? But your car has 100 horsepower. But it can look cool. It's still fun, Chris. So why don't you make it fast first? And because then... you're the first one to say there's no point in chasing horsepower. Just enjoy it. I'm enjoying the car. No, you're not. You were just whining about it the other day. Oh, my car is so slow. My doors are crooked. I don't have wheels. I've since fell in love again. <laughs> Jesus. Hopefully you don't treat your wife this way. No, I don't. All right. Let's uh, let's. Take a little bit of a break. Let's talk about SCI Performance quick before Susan gets in on the phone. SCI Performance, Chris. That's South Central Imports. They are another local Twin Cities-based shop. They have been in business since 1976. So not only have they been around a while, they have the experience. So you know you can trust them when you bring your car to them. They're an exclusive Volkswagen Audi group uh shops so they only focus on volkswagens on the audis um if you have a seat for some reason you can bring that there or a skoda i don't know why you'd have one here chris but you can bring your skoda to them as well i yeah no one has one of those but that's fine they're an authorized revo software dealer so you can have set skoda tuned you can why are, you, why are we talking about skodas i don't know because it's part of the volkswagen audi group <laughs> okay I'm trying to switch it up here chris uh, most of all, they really do have integrity and honesty. You yeah, can that's trust the them part. with your car. They're good guys. If you go over there, you can say hi to Chad. Tell him that you are there because Overcrest told you to, and he'll give you a free air freshener. You can find him on Facebook Wait, at SCI Performance, <laughs> or you can give him a call at 612-722-8897. All right, guys, we'll be right back with Susan. Hey, Susan, it's Chris from Overcrest. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. Great. So I wanted to bring you on the podcast because I think you are one badass chick. And when I when I met you out at uh, at the car week, I had such a great time talking to you, and you were so full of energy. And uh, I thought you would have some great stories to tell us about kind of your career and, and everything that's been going on with you. 
Well, absolutely. I would love to. So I wanted to, I want to, obviously I want to get up and explain to everybody about why you're such a badass, but I want to kind of start at the beginning and try and get a feel for, you know, where you came from and, and how all of this started for you. Um, what was, what was kind of your upbringing like? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Seattle, Washington. I'm pretty much, um, you know, a normal upbringing, normal household. Dad was an engineer at Boeing. Mom's a stay-at-home mom. So completely nothing out of, out of the ordinary there. So how did it how did it start with cars for you then? Was it something with your dad or where did that come from? Well, my dad was always tinkering in the garage with cars. Um, he liked to do everything himself, and so I was kind of always fascinated with that. And I always make a joke with my brother. He was more interested in like hanging out with my mom and cooking. And my my brother's this awesome chef now, and and I got this from my dad, um, just being fascinated with the cars and watching him do everything. Um, much, much to dismay, I think, um, my, my current career is all his fault. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just... He just shakes his head and just is like, what, where did I go wrong? <laughs> um, so what is your earliest memory with cars then? Is, is there something that you can pick out of your mind? Well, okay. Well, I think the main thing I got, I never was interested in really driving them when I was younger. It was mostly just, you know, kind of watching my dad tinker with them. But, um, I think when I was 13, my dad got me a job at his friend's uh, auto shop as an assistant. And so I helped him do tune-ups and change brakes and things like that. And the mechanic kind of took me under his wing. And he had a Bradley GT kit car. I don't know if you know what that is. Yes, um, I do. One of those little, little, yeah, I'm sure you do. I drive by um, one every but... day. There's one in my neighborhood that's just like <laughs> melting into the ground right now, if, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, it was bright yellow T-tops and... And uh, he thought it would be fun to teach me how to drive since I was interested in cars. And so literally I got behind the wheel of that thing. You know, it's a, it's a manual car. And I grew up in Seattle, Washington, so it's always raining. So it was quite interesting uh, learning in that car at 13. Of course, <laughs> my parents didn't know about this. <laughs> they do so now. <laughs> he, he, yeah. <laughs> so he took me out in that, taught me how to drive. And uh, and then I was hooked. And But I really wouldn't thinking about, you know, racing or anything that then I just love to drive. So any chance that I got to get behind the wheel of that car was great. Um, but I think when I was 14 years old, I was in high school and a guy came to school with a 67 Camaro and he came around the corner and I saw that thing. and I was like, Oh my God, what is that? And of course he's like showing off and doing burnouts and donuts in the streets, all this kind of stuff. Sure. And I, I ran over to him and like, can I have a ride? And so he gets, so I skipped school and, and got a ride from him. And, um, and yeah, I was like, from that moment on, I was absolutely obsessed with a 67 Camaro. So what was the first so I went car back that... into Go ahead. Sorry. So that was the first car that I owned. <laughs> oh, so so you were that influenced by it that that was the first car that oh, you could yeah. really call yours. No, I was still working at that mechanic shop, and I went straight to him and I said, uh, "Will you help me get a Camaro? I, I'm obsessed with the '67 Camaro." And he just laughed. But he like I found one literally rotting, you know, in this late in this old lady's um, you know field, and all rusted out. And I think I bought it for a thousand bucks. And the mechanic put it in his name. <laughs> and, and so it was my car. He helped me build it. And uh, Were you yeah, even at, at like that. age of being able to drive at that point? Were... Oh, God, no. Okay. No, I was 14. <laughs> so you're 14 looking for a 67 Camaro. That's pretty awesome. So what was um, was there a time where you could finally drive it? You got your driver's license. And you're like, wow, I can finally drive this car. Well, what was that like? 
<laughs> I drove that car from 14 to 18 without a license. <laughs> okay. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, why yeah. Not? so my, I literally parked it around the, the block from my parents' house and I went to school in it every day and I gave people rides every day <laughs> and I literally drove it. Yeah. And so I, well, I actually moved out of the house when I was 16. And so you have to have a, a parent signature um, for the DMV, at least in the state of Washington, to get your driver's license right. um, before you're 18. And so since I moved out of the house, I had no parental you were <laughs> signature. Just on, you were just on but, your own. So is this yeah, kind of the car? Yeah, I was on my own. And so basically I literally grew up or I, or I drove from 14 to 18 without a license. And not only did I do that, but I was street racing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, like, what was, the, what was your first street race like? What, tell us about that. Um, there was a park called Golden Gardens down in Seattle on the waterfront and people would just gather there and just race for fun. It wasn't for money or pink slips or anything like that, but I just remember going down there and I was just a mad woman in this car. I mean, I just loved to go fast and I had no fear and I just didn't want to lose. So, <laughs> so I saw these guys doing this, this drag race down this parking strip in Golden Gardens. And I was like, I'll do it. And they're looking at me like, are you even old enough to be here? And I think they're probably all in their 20s, you know? Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I did that. And I ended up winning. <laughs> do you remember who you, what you were racing against? Uh, I don't, I think it was like a 69 Mustang. It was okay. back then. It was always like, you know, the, the Chevys versus the Fords. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's kind and of, I it was still full is. On Chevy. And, uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure, but, um, yeah, I just know that I won and they weren't happy about it. <laughs> well, I'm sure that trend continued, you know, just kicking people's butts all the time. So how did you go from being like a, a girl that wanted to do burnouts and go fast to becoming basically an expert driver well it's kind of a weird story it's uh i basically just drove that car for like 15 years and street raced everybody and i and i just wanted to become a race car driver wait 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 wait, hold on just a second hold on so you own this car for that long you had to have done some stuff to this car over the years was it because you didn't leave it stock for that long what what did you end up doing to that car it wasn't it wasn't too overly i mean obviously back then i didn't have any money I mean, I'm, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 driving this and, and I'm on my own and working three jobs. And I actually got a job as a dental assistant when I was 16. <laughs> I had this, this dentist who was like 80 years old and he couldn't find a de- uh, an assistant. And I think uh, he was up in the area of Broadway in Seattle back that time. It was a it was a very I don't know what the word is for it to, to be. No, I'm never politically correct. I, um, I think everybody was like had purple hair, and I can't remember what the what is the name of that. It's like punk rockers. Oh, punk! punk rockers. Okay, it was okay. a whole scene of punk rock at that time, and everybody was in goth and purple hair and boots. And I guess everybody that came in and interviewed for this position, um, <laughs> you know, just looked like that. So here I am, 16. I'm not even out of high school, and I come up, and this guy goes, "You're hired." And I'm like, just- <laughs> I have no. You're not a freak. You're <laughs> hired. <laughs> He's like, you look normal. <laughs> but uh, so, so I was doing that, working at a gas station at night and working at a dress shop on the weekend, you know, just trying to support myself. And so I had absolutely no money. But Did I you ever try to use the street point- racing to get the money? 
No. No? Because uh-uh. okay. <laughs> I was never going to. I mean, I, I was, you know, very confident in the car, but never confident enough to, like, go for a pink slip or for money or, I don't know. I think everybody wanted to go for a pink slip at that time, and I wasn't willing to risk that. Yeah, no. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I I know we had a 327 in it uh, with a first four-speed in it, so it was definitely a manual, and it was, and, uh, you know, being in a rainy Seattle, I mean, everybody's like, well, where'd you learn how to drift? I'm like, well, ever go around a corner when it's raining and <laughs> in a rear-wheel drive car? And, right. And uh, so, but I, you know, I, I kind of took it to a different level. I was, you know, I know not a lot of kids nowadays, they get in cars and they, they don't have a lot of experience. They don't know what they're doing. They just want to go fast. And they're just, you know. I literally spent like hours and hours and hours every day trying to learn something. I would go in parking lots and do donuts and, and try to see what it would do if I slammed on the brakes. And when it rained, I would go and do the same thing. When it snowed, I would go and do the same thing. And I would, you know, go and try to find, you know, in the back of magazines, all these racing schools and any tips and magazines I could get on how to be a better driver. I mean, I literally was like into the driving aspect of it and really wanted to be good at it. Um, but yeah, so I, I didn't have a lot of money to really soup up the car. Um, I know we put shaved door handles in it, painted it black. Uh, we had these big, huge fat tires on the back. I don't remember what they sure. were, but they were huge. And uh, and yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't. I'm just just curious, where's that car now? Do you know? Uh, you know, it got stolen. Oh no! It was like the most heartbreaking moment. I I uh, came out of my. A house one day to go to my parking spot and it was just absolutely gone and i was like did i park it around the corner and <laughs> you know your brain doesn't register the fact that your right. car can like this just not possible um yeah it's just not possible um and you said that was about so, 15 yeah. years later yes yes okay. i had her for about 15 years wow. and i was a dental assistant for that entire time and you know, I really, it was, uh, driving was my love. I knew it was my love and it was my passion, but I, I just knew, you know, I, I didn't know how, know anybody. I didn't have any money um, to do anything like that, kind of living paycheck to paycheck. And I just kind of given up on the dream of being a race car driver. Um, but after about 12 years of dental assisting, my back started really hurting from leaning over all the time. And so I was just like, I need to find something else to do. And I was a high school dropout. You know, I didn't have any skills per se. So I started looking through the paper and actually one of my patients was an air traffic controller. And he was like, you know, you don't need any, um, you don't need a high school diploma or you don't need anything to become an air traffic controller back in the time. He goes, um, (laughs) that seems like something that would be important. (laughs) Well, maybe you needed a high school diploma, but I don't know about anything else. (laughs) But he's like, you should really look into this. He goes, but we're having a hiring freeze right now. So if you get your pilot's license first, then uh, you have a better chance of getting hired. So I actually went and got my pilot's license, which was really funny because I was terrified of flying at the time. And it was my literally my life goal never to set foot in an airplane. And I don't know why <laughs> I had that fear, but I did. And so I went and got my pilot's license, got over that fear. And, uh, and literally, um, we had a 180 Aerobat, 
Um, and, uh, and I literally was flying that thing, doing loops and rolls. And I was like, oh, I don't want to become an air traffic controller. I want to be a pilot. So basically anything <laughs> like, you could get your hands on to make it more dangerous. I mean, do you, do you, yes. mow, do you mow your own lawn or anything? Do you do like, does the lawnmower <laughs> oh, get God, crazy? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. And yeah, so I, so I had that Cessna 180. Aerobat, and I and I just fell in love with that, and I so I literally looked into being into the military because I, I decided I wanted to fly jets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a natural evolution, <laughs> right? I was like, I want to fly jets, and uh, then I then I found out you had to be an officer and you had to have a college degree, and I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so then I decided I wanted to be a corporate pilot. So I started building my hours for that, and I was going to get my commercial license. And then I, I was still looking through the paper, though, to like, see about other jobs in the meantime. And I saw this ad for an extra, and I'm like, what is an extra? I've never even heard of an extra before. And uh, so Is I this still in Seattle? And, this is still up in Washington? Yeah, this is still in Seattle. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, so I'm still a dental assistant living in Seattle, and I see this ad for an extra. And I'm like, I called them up, and they're like, no, it's just background for a movie. You know, no experience necessary. I'm like... So I took the day off work and went down with an extra. And the whole day I was around all the stunt people and they were doing this big car chase. It was on the movie Assassins uh, with Antonio Banderas. Okay. And yeah, I Sylvester don't know Stallone. And so, yeah, so they were flying around these corners. That's quite the pairing. And, and, <laughs> what's that? That's quite the pairing, Antonio Banderas and, and Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> I think I've I know, seen right? that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So yeah, so they were just riding these cars around all these corners in Seattle, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, wait, what? You, wait, you, wait, you guys get paid to do this? I get in trouble for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was just watching them the whole day. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Oh my god, right? And then I saw this girl. She was doing gymnastics stunts, and I grew up an all-around athlete as well. I did every sport imaginable. Sure. And um, and she's in gymnastics stunts, and I was like, I can do all that. And so I went over and started talking to her. She's like, Oh, you'd be great at stunts. You're like kid size because I'm only four foot ten. Right. <laughs> and she's like, she goes, There's hardly any girls that double kids. And if you if you know how to drive, there's hardly any women that drive. And so I literally, by the end of the day, I knew I wasn't going to be a pilot anymore. And I knew I was moving to L.A. to become a stunt woman. And uh, I, <laughs> I, just, I was just like, it was like a light went off. And I was like, oh, my God, I now know what I was meant to be. Um, and so six months later, I just packed up my bags and moved to L.A. And that girl, her name is Trisha Peter. She she was a very famous stunt woman at the time. She's just retired, but she actually let me move in with her, and I lived with her for about a year and a half. We became best friends, and um, yeah, I just she started introducing me to other stunt people, and um, I took a stunt driving course at Motion Picture Stunt Driving Clinic, um, and I was actually right on par with their instructors. <laughs> wow. So the guy asked me if I if I wanted to stay on as a as an uh, instructor there. And uh, so I started teaching there and I taught there for two years and kind of got known through that and um, then started doing kids stunts. And that was back in 1996. Um, so that's, and this is like ago. a, this is like a pretty small group, like the stunt, the stunt woman group, especially, but it's just stunt drivers in general is a pretty small group of people. So, Right. I mean, it's yes. being being in this group yes. and being able to get your foot in the door with that is, I mean, the line is long, right? I mean, it was just, it was made to be for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and back in the day, it was even smaller. I mean, our industry has changed so much since then. Um, there was, like, back in 1996, and on any given day, there was 80 films being shot in L.A. Wow. Um, hmm. You know, I could literally just drive around from set to set to set to set and just introduce myself and hand out my resume and pictures and stuff like that. And, and uh, now you'll be lucky if there's two films being shot in hmm. L.A. Right. And and also back then it was a very very tight small club of stunt people. Um, and since you know the since production has moved out of the country and and all into different states and they want to hire locals, now it's just there's just massive amounts of stunt people and stunt drivers or people who say they're stunt drivers just stunt people and and uh, so it's just a whole different ball game nowadays. So the list is even longer now and the jobs are fewer. Right. Um, but back then it was the heyday. I mean, literally it was just, I, I had my SAG card within three months and, uh, which is, is really short. I mean, I, I know people have taken them six years to get their SAG cards. So what was and, your favorite um, project that you've ever worked on? Do you think? <laughs> my, I have two favorite projects. Um, the first one is the Italian job. So I drove the Mini Coopers for Charlize Theron. Nice. And, um, How tall is she? And the reason Isn't that... she like six feet tall or yeah. something? Yeah, she's like 5'11". <laughs> okay. So how do, they, how do they work that out? <laughs> oh, they don't work that out. I work that out. Okay. So it's kind of funny. I always, I always love it. I can help, but I bring to set um, even nowadays. I have a big stunt bag, and people always laugh at me like, why are you showing up just for driving with this big stunt bag? And I'm going, that's a pad full of my ass right there. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bag full of phone books. <laughs> my ass and my legs right there. Because um, half the time I'm doubling, you know, women that are six feet tall or 5'11 or 5'10. And so I bring a lot of pads that are very discreet. And and, um, and I just put them underneath me. I see how tall they sit in the car. And I just put some pads underneath me. I put my lap belt in to cinch me in so that I don't move around. And, and then voila, you know, they put me in the hair and makeup and wardrobe. And uh, to make me look exactly like them, and nobody knows the difference. <laughs> so, what was that? What was that project like? Driving for that? What was? Explain kind of what you did. Um, well, the the first reason I'm so proud of that one is because it was my first hero car job. I mean, you you work as a driver for a long time until people get to trust you, and they put you in side spots. You know, you're one of the cars that people are weaving through. You're kind of in the background, and um, that that's what I actually had to go and audition for. And do a driving audition. So, so for me to win out over whatever the twenty other girls that were there was pretty fabulous. But, um, but I also it was the first time that I ever got the chance to do car jumps. We drove downstairs. I mean, so it was, it was, yeah, it was, it literally was a dream come true for me for that job. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, the coordinator that was working there and all the stunt people that were around me were just, you know, longtime professionals. So I got really lucky in the fact that every person around me had a lot of great words and coaching because the first car jump I ever did was the one coming out of the tunnel. And if you've seen the Italian job, all three cars are coming out of the tunnel. And we had to have like a certain exact spacing. And behind the tunnel, we had this incredibly short run up. They literally had a tented out area that was blackened by tents. Um, so that there was no light coming through the back of the tunnel because it was supposed to be coming from a building. And so we literally only had like a 30-feet run-up, and we had to get all speed. So literally we were all three cars going down side by side, and at the last second we had to fill in behind each other. 
and only have like a couple feet between each other when we came out of the tunnel. <laughs> so it was like one of the hardest things I've ever done, even till this day, as far as like timing and spacing. And, and we only had at that point, a couple cars left each. Um, by the end of shooting, what do you and mean so you had a couple of cars, cars left? How many? How many were? <laughs> <laughs> how many do well, you start with? <laughs> no, well, here's the funny thing: BMW gave them 35 cars. Oh my god! <laughs> um, to, to start with, and uh, but we weren't the first stunt team, so uh, they hired a stunt coordinator. They hired a stunt team. They shot for three months. Um, at the end of three months, they didn't like any of the footage, so they threw ninety, like ninety-five percent of it away. Oh, wow. Hired the new stunt coordinator. Yeah, right. Hired the new stunt coordinator that I came in for, which is why we had to have driving auditions because they were like they weren't happy with the drivers before. Wow. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's very uncommon to do a driving audition. I mean, I think maybe I've done. Actually, that's the only one I've done in twenty-two years. Um. Yeah, so by the time we got hired, I think there was a handful of cars left. <laughs> Literally. You jump I them out of that tunnel, was... it's done, right? I mean, you guys, did you guys, how many takes did it? Did you... Well, they weren't done. We did two takes, but literally upon impact, like a lot of the studs were flying out of the cars and panels were falling off. And <laughs> oh, it was really funny. Yeah, it was a pretty hard impact. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> So do you kind of take like a physical beating from doing that? I mean, were you, is that something you yes. feel when you wake up in the morning? Oh, yeah. Well, so that day I felt fine. I mean, we did two, two jumps. And, you know, we're about like, the car is not really set up for anything spectacular. I mean, we had five-point harnesses, and I had a little, um, like, a, a inner tube under my seat, but that was it. Wow. <laughs> there, there was no suspension changes. I mean, I don't know what the people had before. They might have had the full setup, but by the time we got, and I'm sure the budget, we were working with a slim budget, and we only had, like, maybe two or three ca- cars of each color left at that point <laughs> um, to recreate everything. And uh, yeah, so, so they were so basically. That day I felt fine. Huh. Yeah, they're pretty much stock. Okay. And um, and is so, that fairly common, yeah, or do so, they usually do stuff to the cars? Is there is there other projects you've worked on where they heavily modified the cars? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it just depends on the budget. It just depends on the stunt coordinator and how much he feels is necessary and how much he feels like he can push for. Sure. Um, you know, there's always that that line of like, we won't do this unless we have this. So, I mean, if you're doing something gnarly like a turnover or a cannon or something like that, that nobody's going to give you a stock car. And just I love how casually you talk about that. Yeah, if we're going to roll the car over, we want to make sure that, you know, you know, that just happens. I want to know what a cannon is. What is that talking about? <laughs> well, a cannon, basically, the car is set up with a serious roll cage and a lot of times a suspension seat so the driver will, you know, move in there instead of being like solidly belt, you know bolted to the ground sure um he'll have like a, a hydraulic lift either that or an explosive with like what looks like kind of like a telephone pole <laughs> coming out the bottom of the car oh my god <laughs> but they're going to like what they call flippers now so basically the driver will go in at like 60 70 80 miles an hour straight uh pull the e-brake get it slid sideways and as soon as you're in that 90 position you hit a button and then either that cannon, that telephone pole-like thing, or a flipper, a metal, a metal arm will come out, 
and oh, the bottom of the car, you know, kind of with an explosive force and send the car tumbling down the street. You've done well, this? <laughs> have you done No, no I you haven't, haven't done, done those? It. Would you? You know what? The guys hog those. I absolutely would. <laughs> the guys hog uh, those. <laughs> they do. If it, okay, so the way it works with women and men in, in driving is if it's slated for a woman and a woman can do, and there is a woman in the world that can do that stunt, they they're, they really should hire a woman. Like, they, oh, there's sure. a lot of guidelines, but um, but a lot of times, like, a lot of these things are not slated for a man or a woman. So okay. if they're – and it's, it's slated for a man. A man has to do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you, we, we, we're not going to swap unless – Unless I, you know, I'm the only person in the world that can do something, and then I have to come in and double for men, then you could do that, and vice versa. But, um, but usually it's it's not slated for anybody, or it could be a cop in the background, or it could be, you know, that cop could be any gender. Right. The guys are always in it because they're the big money spots. Sure. You know, you could get an extra five, ten, fifteen, twenty grand for doing that particular stunt on any given day. Wow, and, that's incredible. And uh, so no, no, you know, no diss to the guys, but yeah, they yeah. <laughs> they usually hog them. <laughs> you ever have you ever driven like the camera car? Is that something? Because obviously, someone that drives the camera car behind the car doing the stunts has to be a pretty good driver too. Is that something you've oh, ever done? Absolutely. Um, you know. I've driven in cars where they had cameras and usually I'm doing a stunt and sometimes they want cameras in the cars. But for the most part, there's a team of um, guys and girls that are, you know, are specialized in that. Okay. And especially if you've seen the armed cars nowadays, they have yeah. the, the Russian arms, yep. uh, the pursuit cars, the edge cars, those guys, um, you know, they come with the driver and you really want that driver in that seat. Um, and as far as like stunt people could get in there and probably could pull a lot of it off. But, those things you know, are so heavy those... and overwhelming. I mean, being able to know yeah. and have experience with them probably and really, really helps. Exactly. And they drive those cars every day and they know exactly how the camera is supposed to be lined up. And we actually have an open mic with them. And so I have a, a radio cool. in my car and the driver, while they're driving in the shot, talks me through everything. And right. so, um, so they're very, very, very specialized in it, and they're very good at what they do. And so, yeah, I could probably get away with it if like something happened and they needed like on the spot to throw me in the car. Um, you know, I, I know not to like slam on the brakes when people are following behind me. Right, <laughs> and so they right. pile drive into me and, you know, all the little ins and outs that a lot of people don't think about when you're on set and missing other cameras and, you know, knowing how to do things. But, um, yeah, I would not want to just jump in an armed car and or into a, any kind of a camera car. So just, is there so go for you it. do so you double? Let's say like you double for Charlize Theron or whatever. Are there any actresses right. that are super badass that just demand to do their own stunts or want to, but they they won't let them? Like the the studio won't well, let them do their own actually, stunts. It's really funny that you say that because um, Char- Charlize Theron and I've heard she's really super nice and she's obviously a badass for her movies and stuff. But she was not happy that I was there because she wanted to do oh, all the no. driving herself. <laughs> but the funny thing is she's actually a really good driver. And she really, really, really trained hard um, for the Italian job. And she did a lot of the stuff herself. So you'll you'll see a lot of the really close stuff. Like in the, in, this was before I got hired on. Um, they had her just doing a lot of the chase scenes where she would split cars. And she would just go inches between the cars and... 
but you know the insurance dictates what the actors and actresses can do. Right. Um, you know because they're insured and they have to. If the if they get injured, then the insurance has to pay out. So right, because they they're basically an asset, role. right? The actor and actress is just like exactly. an asset to the yeah. to the film and the and, and the production. Yeah, so she is definitely badass, and she probably could have done absolutely everything on there. And she actually did drive down the stairs. She didn't drive down the stairs like when the shot where all three cars are driving down the stairs with us like a couple feet away from each other is are all the stunt people. But they did have her drive down the stairs by herself um, with cameras in the cars and cameras on the outside, and and um, she did that, you know, just the same as I did it, but just with without the other cars around. Yeah, that's awesome. But, um, did you? Uh, so you, yeah, you've done work with J.J. Abrams too, right? <laughs> That's a really funny story. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> it's kind of an embarrassing story, but it's a really funny story. So I did um, Star Trek. I actually doubled young James Kirk um, okay. in the no opening kidding. scenes when he steals his father's um, '73 Corvette. I remember. And there's flying motorcycles motorcycle cops that are chasing him. Yep. So I did all the driving for him in that scene. But um, they had already wrapped first unit, and um, so normally stunts are on a second unit. So the first unit is with the regular director, the regular actors, and then stunts come in on a second unit, and they hire their own um, second unit director, stunt coordinator, and so it's our own deal. And so occasionally, like, I'll pop over to first unit to, like, see how they're doing something with first so I know how to continue it into my scene. And sometimes they'll come over to second unit to like pick up, like I'll do a big crash and, and then the car will be upside down and then she'll, you know, like go inside and then do the filming, you know, at the end to have continuity. Um, so, but we normally don't overlap very much. So first unit had already wrapped and I didn't really know this. I literally was, I had just come back from Japan. I was sick as a dog. I had some really strange virus <laughs> and I was not, not kind of not in my source. And so I show up to work, and the stunt coordinator's there, and, and uh, they have a, a process trailer where they're all sitting on the back of it, and I'm, you know, they have the cameras on the back, and usually there's like, you know, 10 people sitting on the back of this thing, and you don't know who everybody is, and, and uh, you're following behind and doing direction, whatever the stunt coordinator tells you to do, you know, come up to camera, go to the right, do a pass by. And so this is how we start out. But I noticed that the stunt coordinator is like not directing me like he normally does. And he's like, oh, this is um, JJ. He's going to be directing you on this show. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, okay. And I think he's the second unit director. I have no idea oh, who the man. JJ guy is, right? So for two weeks, <laughs> he directed me on this, on this chase scene. And it was funny because for some reason they had just come back from Japan. It was totally separate. I was there for a work job and I think they went there for vacation and they were sick as well. And uh, so we were all sick and literally like they had this medic on set that was giving shots out and just everybody oh, was just miserable. It's 110 degrees of the Mojave and like, so he's directing me and we're sitting around just chilling between shots one day and I we're laying up against the car and he's like, so... How did you get into the stunt business? And so I kind of tell him my background of, you know, street racing and being a dental assistant. And, you know, he's just, I mean, we're sitting there for like a half an hour. And he's listening to my whole life story, right? Like, that's really interesting. That could be a, like a movie, you know? Yep. <laughs> and I go, how do you get started? <laughs> and he obviously <laughs> knows. I have no idea who he is, right? <laughs> he must have just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He's like, well... 
I wrote this screenplay and it got picked up, you know, in college. And, you know, I just kind of went from there. And of course that was a movie regarding Henry. Okay. And, uh, so, so, so I literally, at the end of the show, I, I still don't know who he is and I'm watching <laughs> him pass out these DVDs of the series Lost. And I never watch TV. And I mean, this is totally embarrassing, right? I have no idea who J.J. Abrams is. I've never seen The Lost. And that was back when Lost was the biggest thing in the world, right? Right. Like, it was like everybody was watching it and waiting to see next week what's going to happen, right? So he's passing out all these DVDs of Lost. And I, like, <laughs> asked the stunt coordinator, I'm like, what's Lost? And he looks oh, at me and he goes, what are you talking about what's Lost? He goes, the last is like the series on that's J.J. Abrams. He's this famous director. And I go, he is? And he just looked at me and started laughing. He goes, you don't realize you were just directed by the last two weeks by J.J. Abrams. I'm Googling it, right? I'm like, oh, my phone. Oh, man. Googling J.J. Abrams. I'm like, oh, my God, right? Yeah, you're like Transformers, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> right? But he actually probably enjoyed it. I mean, we were just shooting the shit, you know, out both miserable, sick as dogs, <laughs> exchanging life stories. He's like, oh, your, your story's awesome. That'd make a great movie. And I was like, well, you hey, should, have you called him back on that? Still, no, <laughs> you still want to do my movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to still do my life story? My life story, directed by J.J. Abrams. It'd have some great scenes, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, the stunts would be awesome. Yeah, the I'm stunts sure. would be awesome. Um, so I, one, yeah, I finally get to do a pipe ramp and a cannon roll. Yeah, there you go. Because we are we are riding this in for a woman. Right. <laughs> Have, so, is there any stunts that you've done that you felt fear that you were scared? You're like, oh, I don't know about this. Is oh my it... god, we feel fear all the time. <laughs> really? What's the What's the oh, biggest yeah. one for you that that intimidated the, you the, the most? You know, the thing about stunts, I have to say, is what the the thing what people think is that we don't feel fear. The the thing about stunt people is, you know, I think when you start not having fears, when you you start re- really getting risk, um, mm-hmm. you don't respect what you're doing and you don't respect the danger dangerous of a situation of it. That's when things really start happening bad. Sure. Um, so the stunt the a good stunt person is one that that has fear that faces fear acknowledge fears but has the mental capacity to, you know, to put it over to the right side and go, okay, I acknowledge you and you're over there. But, you know, to, but to keep your wherewithal um, with what you're doing and, you know, because stuff does go wrong. And literally when stuff does go wrong, you have to, within a split second, make a decision on how to get out of it or how to minimize the damage or, how, you know what I mean? So you have to keep your brain working in that slow motion um, and push aside that fear to to be able to process through it and think through it, sure. So that you can either get out of it or minimize it. And also, in sense, you know, when when we do set up stuff that we know is potentially really dangerous, um, we talk about everything. You know, we do we we walk a rehearsal. You know, we get our little toy cars out first, and each person <laughs> you know puts their finger on their toy car. I'm not kidding you. We have all these little toy cars out. And, uh, and we'll map it out, you know, and we'll do this and we'll do that. And we're like, oh, you know, you can kind of start seeing where things can go wrong. And then we're literally line up and do a walking rehearsal. So I'll, you know, act like I'm behind the wheel of my car and doing the turns. And we all sit there and like pantomime that we're, you know, driving around each other and we walk it. 
Well, you're throwing around three or 4,000 pounds. I mean, it's to go wrong really, really fast. And then we'll do a quarter speed rehearsal. We'll do timing rehearsals, you know, when this is a big thing. And then also, you know, I'll go up to other stunt people and I'll say, you know, if if I get into a hairy situation where I hear my out is going to be here. I won't go anywhere else. This is my only out. So Mm, your out's got to be somewhere else. You know what I mean? And so we'll figure that in advance. And then, you know, nothing, you know, it can go perfect. But, you know, when you've got, you know, 20, 30 cars going and moving and you're all going 60 miles an hour and, you know, stuff can happen and you just got to keep your head cool and be able to think with it. So there's like daredevils and then there's not people. Sure. Yeah. There's a difference between you and evil Knievel that has a death wish. You don't have, speaking of, speaking of death wish, um, um, what is your favorite car movie based on stunts? Cause I like, I think death wish is the one where it's like, uh, is is that the one with the, the, the old Chevy Nova and the and the white Dodge challenger? Yeah. That that's probably my favorite car oriented film where he's got the girl sitting on the little seat next to him and the other girls chase after him in the white Challenger. I really, right. really, really like that. But for you as a stunt girl, what do you see out there for car movies that you're like, wow, that's that was an awesome project? I think one of my newest favorites, I mean, obviously, like the Chase and Bullet, that was awesome. Yes. I love seeing cars fly in the air like that. But um, Baby Driver, the, yes. the yes. driving in Baby Driver was so phenomenal. And I know the driver that did that, Jeremy Fry, and, and uh, oh my God, so the stuff that they did was just not a lot of cuts, not a lot of CGI. I mean, that the stuff they did was amazing. Sure. And in the spaces they did it in, I mean, a lot of times, like, I think there's this one where he does, I think it's a reverse 180 in an alleyway without hitting anything. I mean, it's just yep. big enough for the car to get through it. And that's incredibly hard. Right. So I think that's one of my funnest ones today. So what's, what are some of the personal projects that you're working on outside of work? So I've got, <clears throat> I, I love to face my fears. Like that's, that's the one thing I started from when I became a pilot because I was obsessed with never getting in an airplane and flying. And then when I became a pilot, it was such an empowering thing to like get over my fears. So I started setting off on this life goals of like not having any, you know, fears that I can't conquer. So my next year is public speaking. (laughs) 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 So I'm like, great, like stick me in a car and, and have me do stuff in camera in front of a thousand people or, you know, shove me off a building on fire. No problem. (laughs) Getting in front of a camera and and speaking or, um, or getting up on stage and speaking is, is terrifying for me. And I've been working on that for the last, five years um, of really making myself get up in situations where I normally would not do that. Is that, does that kind of tie into the, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, does that kind of tie into your project that you're working on for, for the teens project that you've got going on? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. So um, I want to start a teen project to go into junior highs and high schools and um, to really talk about kids following their dreams, facing their fears, kind of being who they are. Um, which ties into me because I knew when I was younger that I wanted to be a race car driver. And, and, and even then when I wanted to become a stunt driver, you don't know how many people told me that that was absolutely impossible, that I should never do that, that I should go to school and learn to become, you know, something else or a regular job. And I just knew it wasn't me. And I think there's a lot of kids that are pressured into doing what their parents want them to do or what they think is right or, 
Um, you know, so I just really want to get that message out there to teams about, you know, following their dreams and, but also I want to tie it in with the car. So I want to do like a car safety, you know, making the right decisions behind the wheel of a car, Sure. you know, that sort of a thing. And it's just empowering teams to, to get out there and, and do things. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of teams nowadays that are so into, you know, the social media and and technology and it doesn't feel like they're actually getting out in the real world and, and doing things or, or maybe they don't believe that they can do things. Um, so, so I want to go in and, and, uh, with a platform of stunts behind me and driving and, sure. and, uh, go give a fun little speech, but I want it to be more interactive than just me like talking at them. Well, I think, I think you're worthy of, worthy of looking up to. And I, I think that's, that's very noble. Well, thank you. Um, so, if, so if anybody <laughs> wants to find you on social media, where do you, where should they where should they look for you? What's your Instagram? Um, Insta- yeah, Instagram is Perky One. It's P is in Paul U R K I the number one. All right. Um, that's where I'm most active. Uh, they can also find me on Facebook under my name Susan Perkiser, and that's P U R K H I S E R. Um, I have very minimal time on YouTube, which I'm trying to change that right now. Um, because I also want to do some future projects as far as filming. Um, sure. Like I want to be the first female Ken Block, and I want to make my own driving videos. So that'd I'm, be cool. I'm sort of getting re- re- getting ready to ramp up my YouTube as well, and and to get you know my own personal projects out there as well. So I I am also on YouTube under Perky One, although there's not much stuff there yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> and I, I encourage do all have her. my own website, my own website being built right now, which will be PerkyOne.com. Okay. So. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, I look forward to talking to you again. And uh, Thanks so much. Yep. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We'll be right back. Okay. We've got uh, one more thing that I want to do. But before we do that, Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about Westside Volkswagen? Yeah. Luther Westside Volkswagen. They're the number one Volkswagen dealer in the country and the largest selection of Volkswagens and used European cars right here in the Twin Cities. Uh, they have a great facility with even better people inside it. We know Chris loves his guy Helton over there. They're highly professional. Everyone I've talked to that has gone to this dealership had nothing but good things to say. And that, I mean, that's really what counts you know it's it's the experience that you have these guys are good guys uh you can find them online of course at westsidevw.com otherwise if you're local in twin cities they're right on uh, highway 100 there so go check them out can't miss them all right you got your phone ready oh i do okay what are we doing here so basically i sent you something that um uh my buddy sent me on instagram and i just want you to watch it and then i want you to try and just I just want you to react is, is kind of what I'm what I'm going for. Okay, here we go. It's a video. You should it's already a be angry of a stone song, which I don't like. So just describe what you're seeing. What's well, the RDX and they're like drifting it. So it's the accu- so it starts out um, the commercial starts out with an NSX and a, like an Integra. Just go back to the beginning. Okay, I saw the can. Integra. I recognize. So you that. see the Integra, and then it morphs into an, NDA, an NSX, and then it morphs into this. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Right. So basically, we're we've, we're taking an Integra Type R, <laughs> morphing that into a, an NSX, and then yep. morphing it. The end of that says like this is the next best thing. Or whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> or some like something like that. Well, I mean, to be fair, this is why cars or manufacturers have a halo car like this, right? It's to that's, that's the not cool a halo car, car, and that no, but like the NSX is right, and so that's why that's their halo car, and it's supposed they to then... are getting annihilated in the comments of that film. Oh, really? They're just getting crushed, <laughs> and I love it. I love that they're getting absolutely crushed in there. I'm so so. Here's the thing: is I. I want to be able to rant about how much I hate crossovers. Right. But I can't blame people for buying them. I know. Them. We had this conversation the other week. You were like, okay, well, try to sell me on a car instead of a, a crossover. And it's it's hard to do. You, you just can't do it. So it's like it's almost like this is my thought about all this. Obviously, we've had this discussion before. But the new thing about it is, are we going to be at the end of motoring due to the crossover <laughs> before we're at the end of motoring Due to electric and auto, uh, autonomous cars, no. uh, is everything just going to be taken over by this crossover business before we even? I feel like it, it's going to have a rubber band effect. So if you see nothing but beige crossovers on the roads, the one guy in a sports car, you're going to be like, "Wait a minute, that is so cool, so different. Why I can buy that instead?" You really think Joey down the street cares? The guy I, that's I hope so. I. I don't think you don't think he so. And his you think people care. just don't care anymore? I just don't. What has been going on for the last since Jimmy Carter and the gas crisis? Oh gosh, here we go. What? what? You tell me. Obviously, you know because you're already ready to pounce on. No, me. I'm just talking. You went into politics and are this, talking. About I'm talking Carter about. And... I'm just giving people an era. So you go back to the Jimmy Carter era okay. and the gas crisis and everything okay. like that. Ever since then, mm-hmm. it's been peak oil, right? Peak oil. We're going to run out of oil. Oh. The environment's going to shit. Sure. Global warming. Cars are evil. You know, petroleum companies are evil, and cars are the biggest consumer of petroleum. Right. Blah 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 blah. And now it's to the point where cars kill people. They're, we need to have autonomous cars. It's been pounded for the last 20, 30 years, my entire life, it's been pounded into my head that basically cars are evil. Okay. I feel like that's a little melodramatic. Maybe there's a little but, hype, a little bit. but there's. I agree. There's certainly, you look at like the litigation and laws and everything else, the policies that come about, yeah, they, they certainly are. The government has been after nothing... motoring with regulation for Right. This entire time, whether it's safety, emissions, whatever. The problem is because you can't make a law. Lo- no lawmaker is going to come out and be like, we need a law that there should be more sports cars. Right. So it naturally, if you're no, going to no, manage something, wait. it's going to be more. No, no, no. They don't say we're going to make a law that there's going to be more sports cars. They make laws that make sure that there's less. Right. But not directly. They don't want sports cars. Nobody in the legislature is like. Yeah, let's have more sports cars. They're all like, how do we keep people from dying? That's right. their job is I to know keep you is. from so dying. So I'm saying then, yeah, by, I, I'm saying it's no surprise that that's the case. That At least they think that's what their job is. <laughs> right. That's So, I mean, that's, that's kind a of a discussion for a different day. Yeah, maybe. But it's just like all of this stuff has been kind of like is has diluted the the american spirit with motoring i just don't think it's as important <laughs> as it used to be i would agree with that but i don't know that that's all to blame for that i mean you look at what our kids like when there's we a reason up, people chose to drive a a, a a fast car that's small maybe it's not as uh useful as like a crossover would be but they made the sacrifice in the trunk space so they could still have a good time but people are not doing it anymore they're not it's st- statistically like we said last week golf sales down 40 percent up 40 percent tiguan sales up 189 right this because people don't care anymore they want the usefulness of the vehicle i agree is the most is the most important thing i'm not disagreeing with it. it's because it's cars, not the driving anymore it's not it's, it's yeah it's, your car is an appliance that's the bottom line exactly and that's 
that's what I'm getting at is that it has become an appliance, and because of that, it's but that I mean, that to me is the death of motoring. It's almost even worse than it becoming <laughs> autonomous and having it taken away from us. That's this like it's like you were like stabbed in the stomach and you're slowly bleeding out. It's just awful to see all these crossovers well, and like dominate. it'll become autonomous because people are going to want that since all their car is is an appliance. So it might as well be automatic. It might, right? as, it might, as, might as well be. No, and I this, agree with and that. And this Acura commercial, I'll, you know, go look on, what is it, on Acura.com or Acura sure, Instagram know. or whatever. Yeah. You can go look at it. You can go find it. Just tell people where to find it, Jake. And uh, you can look at that and you can see that this is the marketing plan. This is the plan. Okay. We already did this. Now this is the greatest thing ever. This This SUV that can now drift or do whatever. Yeah. It's on Acura's Instagram. The all-new 2019 RDX. Everything we ever imagined, and then some. Who imagined? Who's Acura. imagining this? Acura. Well, I almost, I'm trying not to swear as much, but <laughs> F Acura. Everything <laughs> they ever wanted. Nobody, nobody as a 16-year-old boy. Now, mm-hmm. here's, here's the thing. What? Nobody as a 16-year-old boy today, mm-hmm. I think, is like really, really like, oh, my God, cars. Yes, I there know. are some. That's what I was going to say. So it's the real so there's nobody to, to grow up going, oh, I really want to get uh, a Ferrari or a Porsche or or whatever. I mean, that's still out there for sure. Right, but, but it's, it's not, not like top it of mind. It's not primary. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. This is like super old man I know talk it right is. here. You, yeah, you're going off. No, I would agree that it, cars are becoming appliance because they're not. Uh, we don't have as much passion for them. They're not something aspirational necessarily anymore. Unless it's, you know, when you think of aspirational, you think of the rap videos and they'll have like a Bentley or a Lamborghini in there. That's just for status. That's not because necessarily it's a cool car, high performance, etc. So I'm getting very esoteric, esoteric here with this. But I think it's because we no longer have a passion, no longer care about it as a society because we care about other things. So or maybe that's unattainable. Say, is, do you think it's a void? Yeah. Is, it, is it a void that cars have left? That What else has filled that void for people? What are they aspiring to? What are they doing? You know, where what is it? Be Instagram popular? I don't know. Are they buying pedal boards instead? Like I don't I don't understand. Maybe. You know, where where is the passion going? I agree. To? I, I don't know the answer to that, but it is I think it's a change in mindset overall. It's it's truly sad. So I think that is I mean, crossovers taking over is worse than anything else. It's it's just it's truly with de- that, devastating. Get off Chris's lawn. Get off my lawn. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye. Bye.